good evening, New Hope Community Church. Welcome to our Good Friday service. We appreciate you joining us online and uh, experiencing uh, this Good Friday service with us this Holy Week. Um, you know, our service uh, tonight will be a little bit scaled back. We just want it to be more a, a meditating a time of uh, reflection and meditation on um, God's ultimate sacrifice for us poured out on the cross. Um, and really what Good Friday is, is that it, it sets up, it's a forerunner to uh, the amazing good news of Easter. You know, in order to appreciate the good news, we must first understand the bad news, right? That we won't be thankful for Easter and Easter Sunday and the resurrection, not unless we first come to terms with Good Friday and the crucifixion. And usually there's seven sayings that Jesus has on the cross. And seven last words are very important because uh, it's those, your last words here on earth that reflect your priority and what's near and dear that's close to your heart. Uh, we'll just focus on one uh, tonight, and that's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. It's the first saying. So would you go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 23? We'll start in verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. Now I highlighted these in yellow. These are the different characters. We have the people, we have the rulers. Now verse 36, and the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we invite you, God, in this place, in our living rooms, in our kitchens, on our laptops, on our phones, in our computers, in our televisions, Lord, that we would take this time, O oh God, and be in awe, Lord, of your grace. Father, I pray, Lord, that your grace would always be amazing, that your grace would continue to amaze us, that it would renew us every single day, O oh Lord God, that we may never grow old and we'll never grow weary and tired of um, the cross. So Father, I pray that uh, tonight you would be uh, with us, that you would quicken our thoughts, quicken our hearts, O oh Lord God, that we'd turn it towards you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know. It's been so busy this week. Uh, I'm so uh, so new to this whole online video streaming and preaching in front of a camera. And you know, I say a Filipino joke. There's no laughter, and oh, it's it's so tough and it's so different. And you know, I have to preach two times this week, and it was uh, so busy. And I got caught up with the task of preaching and communicating God's word and uh, coming up with a sermon. 
that uh, not until really this uh, morning uh, as I was praying was I reminded of the cross. And um, as I was praying, this old hymn, I don't know where I heard it, how I heard it, but this old hymn of where you there when they crucified my Lord came up. And as I started singing the chorus of that song, I just started weeping because it brought me back to the foot of the cross. Uh, this hymn, actually, uh, it was founded. Uh, a, a lot of people think that it was composed by enslaved African Americans in the 19th century. In fact, in 1899, uh, it was first published by William Eliezer Barton, who had this old plantation hymn. And in 1940, it made its way to the Episcopal Church hymnal. But the song is very deep, but it's repetitive, but it goes like this. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the cross? Were you there when the sun refused to shine? And really what I want us to do this evening is go back to the cross. Go back to the first saying. And Jesus' first prayer was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So we'll focus on two phrases. First is Father. Despite, and here's what I want us to walk away with, despite the greatest suffering that Jesus endured, Jesus never lost his identity as a son of God. That he never lost this sense of sonship, of I'm unconditionally loved, that no matter what happens externally, no matter how others treat me, no matter how I'm persecuted and I'm suffering, Father, Father, that Jesus, in this suffering, he does two things. He addresses God as Father, and secondly, he goes to his native breath, which is prayer. Our Lord Jesus, at that moment, during his first pains of crucifixion, the executioners had just driven the nails through his hands and through his feet. He must have been in great distress. He was brought to extreme um, pain, extreme weakness, the agony of spending the whole night in prayer where his, his sweat was like blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He went through scourgings, meaning they would get this leather whip. They would insert metal and bones and fragments that would rip and tear off the flesh in his back. 39 times he received that on his back. There was the cruel mockings which he endured all throughout morning from Caiaphas, from Pilate, from Herod, and from the Praetorian guards. Yet, neither the weakness of the past nor the pain in the present could prevent him from continuing in prayer. And in his prayer, the Lamb of God was silent before man, but he was not silent before his Father. Because oftentimes under great loss, under great pain, under great suffering, we, we usually think that God is not dealing with us as his sons and his daughters. 
that we think when we go through hardship in life that God is a judge and that we're being severely punished like a condemned criminal. But the first cry of Jesus Christ, his first prayer, when he is brought, brought to an extreme that you and I will never experience, when he was betrayed, there was no swaying, there was no faltering in his identity that I am I'm a beloved son of God. From his baptism, when Jesus was baptized, when the Spirit descended on him like a dove, the, the heavens opened up, what was the commend, commendation by God the Father? He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, Hebrews says that we are not to despise discipline from our Heavenly Father. When you go through hardship, when I go through hardship, when we go through loss, when we feel betrayed by others, would you stay grounded in the fact in your, in, of your identity that you are a beloved son and daughter of Jesus Christ? That you are in the beloved in whom the favor of God dwells. Jesus, in extreme suffering, he knew who he was. He knew that he was unconditionally loved. That even though he was rejected by men, even though he was forsaken and betrayed by his disciples, he knew that I am loved by my Father. You know, Jesus, in the New Testament, he prays 21 times. Each time that he prays, he addresses God as Father. In the seven sayings, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There's this middle um, prayer where he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the last prayer is, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. It was only in this middle time where 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, that he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. That every instance of suffering, every millisecond of pain that Jesus experienced, he knew that he was loved by his Father. From Jesus on the Calvary over 2,000 years ago to you where you're at and where I'm, where I'm at, You know, Pastor Wayne says all the time, a tragedy is a terrible thing to waste. When we go through suffering, do we turn to God knowing that we're the beloved? And do we turn to God in prayer? You know, Isaiah chapter 53 says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Did you guys catch that? That Jesus Christ, Isaiah 53 says, he's this suffering servant that he has borne. He carries our griefs and our sorrows. And ultimately, the, the, on, the only reason where Jesus 
cries out to God as my God and addresses him as my God instead of Father is when he bore my sin and your sin at the cross. Jesus was forsaken so that you and I would ultimately be accepted and loved. Jesus was despised so that you and I could be loved. Jesus was rejected so that you and I could be accepted. So when we go through hardships, when we go through trials, not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, stand firm that if you're in Christ Jesus, brother, sister, friend, that you are unconditionally loved and you run to God. Don't walk, run to God in prayer. Secondly, Jesus says, after Father, he says, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, Jesus wasn't excusing what they did. Um, all of these people were not ignorant of the facts of their guilt, but they were ignorant of the enormity of their crime before God. They didn't understand, they didn't recognize the work of God through uh, the suffering servant in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.8 says this, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Who were the characters I highlighted in the text? There were the rulers, there were the soldiers, and there were the people around. There's a pastor, his name is Erwin Lutzer. He says this, When man had done his worst, Jesus prayed, not for justice, but he prayed for mercy. He pleaded that his enemies would be exempt from the just consequences of their evil deeds. And he prayed not after his wounds had healed, but while they were yet open. Words of forgiveness came from his lips when the nails were being driven into his body, when the pain was the fiercest, when the jolts of anguish were the sharpest. He prayed as the cross was lowered into the hole with a thud. It was then when his nerves were yet to the most tender, when the pain was the most unfathomable, he who was the victim of history's greatest crime prayed for the criminals. How deep the Father's love for you and for me. How reckless is his love that even though he was in extreme agonizing pain you know they had, the pain that he suffered was so severe they had to make up a word for it you know the word excruciating pain it's from the latin ex meaning from cruciating cross that it's not just a uh, a mild and a hard pain but it's this pain that it's it's this only pain that comes from the cross that in the midst of excruciating uh, pain on the cross, through means of crucifixion, Jesus prayed for his enemies. Romans 5 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's something so transforming about the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That once you realize that you've been forgiven, that once you realize at one time you are an enemy of God, but because you believe and you trust in the gospel in Jesus Christ, you've transformed from an enemy to a friend. You've transformed from an enmity to a son or daughter of the living God. One of my um, close friends growing up, I've mentioned him before, but, uh, you know, youngest, the oldest of four brothers. Um, well, the youngest brother um, was being delivered in the hospital. There were complications with the epidural, and uh, my friend's mom uh, went into a coma. And uh, during that time, his father, his dad, uh, just couldn't handle the situation. Uh, how is he going to handle four kids uh, by himself, four boys at that? And he was like, he walked out. And if you could imagine, now my, my uh, close friend had to deal with unforgiveness, had to deal with hatred, with vengeance. And it didn't help that years down the line, uh, he would get a Facebook friend request from someone with the same last name and say, hey, I'm your, I'm your half-brother. But when my friend received Jesus, when he understood the power of the gospel to transform, he went out. He lived in Los Angeles. He went through Facebook. He went out. He went to Washington with his brothers in Seattle, and he looked for his dad, told his dad, hey, Whatever you hurt, whatever hurt you've given us, I forgive you because Jesus has forgiven me. I plead with you, believe in Jesus, trust God. See, this is the power of the gospel to transform, to change a human heart. That, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he set a precedent. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they, they do not know what they do. You know who else prayed that? The first martyr, Stephen, that when he was getting stoned, could you imagine just stones hitting your face until you finally die? And as, as Stephen was being stoned, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Where, where did that come from? It came from the heart of God for mercy and reconciliation. Now, as we come to a close, this is Jesus' first prayer. Let me ask you, was his prayer heard? Did God answer Jesus' prayer? After Jesus dies on the cross, tomb for three days, on the third day, he resurrects from the dead. After his resurrection, he spends um, over 50 days with his disciples. 
It's called Easter Tide. In those days, when Jesus, he told them in Acts 2, hey, wait for me until the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes. And here comes Peter in Acts chapter 2. He preaches a sermon. And he says, you all, you crucified the Lord of glory. Can you imagine this um, weak and fearful Peter who denied Jesus in front of a little girl, in front of the fire, totally denied him. But through, because of the Holy Spirit, he was empowered and he addresses over 3,000 people. says, hey, you, you guys crucified the Lord of glory. And he preached the gospel. He says, you guys repent. Even though you crucified Jesus, you need to repent. Guess what happens? Over 3,000 people get saved. Later on it says, the rulers get saved. The soldiers get saved. What am I trying to get at? I think maybe like Jesus, you lay down prayer. Prayer after prayer after prayer. Maybe you're praying for uh, your children. Maybe you're praying for a family member to, that they come to know the Lord. And maybe like Jesus, it didn't occur in his lifetime. It wasn't until he ascended to be with the Father that his prayer was fulfilled. Acts chapter 10, it talks about Cornelius. And that Cornelius, he would make alms. He would give to the poor and he would pray every day. And then the angel says, Cornelius, man, your prayers have become a memorial you know, I've been to Washington, D.C. with all the malls and all the memorials and all the museums. These, and the angel says, man, Cornelius, every time you prayed, you built a memorial. See, you may forget about prayer. You may have prayed about something. And maybe you're praying for and believing for something right now. But know that in heaven, each one of your prayers has be, is a memorial. You may forget, but God remembers. So I encourage you, Jesus, he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In Acts chapter 2, 3,000 get saved, priests get saved, rulers get saved, the soldiers get saved. And how God answers his prayer. So as we close, this is an opportunity for you to receive Jesus into your life. Maybe some of you have given up on prayer. Maybe some of you, you've, got, you've walked away from the church. You walked away from God because how could God allow these things to happen? How could God allow so much suffering and hurt and loss in my life? But guess what? He was bruised for your iniquities. He bears, he bore my sin, my shame on the cross for you. Every step of the way, when you cry out to God, you cry out to high priest who understands. So this is a, the most eternal decision that you could make is to receive Christ into your life. We're going to have communion in a little bit, but I want to take this opportunity to um, ask you to have Jesus into your life. So if you want to receive Christ, there's a little pop-up on the chat window that says, yes, I want to commit my life to Christ. Maybe you want to recommit your life that, hey, you know, I, 
going through some, I've gone through some things and I, I felt like I wasn't, God wasn't treating me like a, his child, his daughter, and I walked away, but it's time for you to come home. Would you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for living the perfect life that I could never live for dying the death on the cross that I deserve and for being raised from the dead so that I, I could have eternal life. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Seal me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray right now for those who, have, who are recommitting their lives to you, Lord God. I pray that they would um, find their way back to you in prayer. Lord, that they would find their way back to you, Lord God, as, as sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, I pray, God, for even just recon, uh, relationships that need reconciliation. Lord, I pray, God, for... Um, mercies. Lord, your word said, blessed are the merciful for they shall see God. Lord, I pray if there's any um, fractured relationships that you would bring wholeness to that right now, this Good Friday. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.